Shakti Shakeup contains adult subject matter and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Shakti Shakeup, a goddess-inspired podcast where two everyday goddesses, Shane and Olivia, talk about Shakti, shakes, and all things fam. Shane. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm actually, I'm good this week. This week, things are looking up. That's wonderful. Things are settling, stabilizing, feeling the flow. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing this week? I'm doing really well, but mm-hmm. it's like, I'm very tired but thriving yes yeah and I made a point to um like make myself take a really long hot Epsom salt salt oil bath the other day that's awesome lavender and patchouli it was really good that sounds amazing I like to watch a horror movie while I take a bath (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) that is like the least relaxing thing I can think of I love horror movies so it's Ugh. like my me time is like being all salty and oily and watching a horror movie. Oh my god. That's really appealing to me. I can't. <laughs> I can't with that. Like I hate horror movies just in general. I hate horror movies. I hate being scared. So like I told a yoga student that the other day and she was like, "Oh my god, me too. I do the same thing." And I'm like, "I'm not a freak." But even so, like I Just cuz there's two of you doesn't mean that you're not both freaks. <laughs> Hey, we own it. I mean, yeah, like do you, but fuck. Hell yeah. No, I will I, do me forever. No, I'm t- I'm totally that chick that's like in the bathtub with a chick flick rom com, just soaking up Hugh Grant in the suds. Pass. Oh no, hard getting in my bathtub, Hugh Grant from circa like late nineties. I want to watch like The Conjuring. No. <laughs> oh God. Hell no. <laughs> That sounds horrible. You're describing my nightmare. It's amazing. <laughs> I can say I feel maybe like, we'll do a poll. I feel like today we need to say that it's a big fucking deal today because Jessamine Stanley retweeted us today. That was cool as fuck. Yeah, that was oh, amazing. My God, if you haven't listened to episode two, go back and listen to it. We gush about Jessamine Stanley for a long time. Yeah, and like she's phenomenal. And so her retweeting us today was just a really cool. I, I don't know, experience? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. it's just amazing. I totally was like, did we make it? Does this mean we made it? Are we famous <laughs> now? I think we're famous now. I think that's what this means. <laughs> we're it's, totally famous. Yeah. It's not. It didn't really change much in the grand scheme of things, but I felt really fucking cool. I felt special. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm feeling really good. Good. I'm feeling really inspired and in the flow. Mm-hmm. And just happy. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear all of those things. So we have something special for our listeners today. Yeah, we do. We We do. We are doing a special episode every fifth episode, Mm -hmm. a series called Shakti Throughout History. Yes. So we will cover a different women, femme, maybe even non-binary individuals who have perhaps not been covered in our history classes because we read history books in America in particular, that are whitewashed and patriarchal as hell. So a lot of the women that we are going to cover are not going to, you probably, unless you 
went to college and you were in a specialized field like in women's gender and sexuality studies, Mm -hmm. it's probably unlikely that you've heard of these women before. Yeah, here's the thing. You can probably count all the women that you've learned about in history class on one hand. I would say one hand. That, however, does not mean that only five women were impactful throughout the history of the world. There are a lot more. So we're going to spend every fifth episode showcasing those women. Yes. Absolutely. So before we get to our topics, we still have in every episode, just like every other episode, we're going to do a goddess of the week and an everyday goddess. And then Shane will have a woman that she's covered and I'll have somebody that I've covered. Mm -hmm. So that is how we are progressing with this episode. Yeah. This will be our segment. Shakti throughout her story. Volume one. (laughs) Yes. So Shane, who is our goddess of the week? Our goddess of the week this week is Athena. Ooh, yeah. Greek. Getting a little Greek. Getting a little Greek with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. She is the Greek goddess of, most people know her as the Greek goddess of war. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also the goddess of wisdom, courage, inspiration, civilization, law and justice, strategic warfare, mathematics, strength, strategy, the arts, crafts, and skill. And weaving is another one that she's known for. That's cool. Yeah, she does a lot of stuff. She's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to, like, shoot a gun and knit. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Shoot a bullet from a knitted gun. <laughs> knit a cozy for your gun. <gasps> oh. <Aww. laughs> that could be a workshop. I'm uh, here for it. <laughs> yes. I feel like she'd want us to put together, like, a, a cozy for our bow and arrow, though. Yeah. I'd want that. Yeah. It's, somehow that seems less violent than guns. It's more artistic because it's a bow and arrow. Not like yeah. not like a modern day one, but like an old one with like the string and the wood and shit. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And a quiver for our arrows. Oh, a quiver. A quiver. Hey, Is hey, that hey. The feather part. I wonder of it? if that's why they call like quivering like when you pull back an arrow and you're like Well no, the quiver is the thing that you hold the arrows in. Oh, pff, I don't even know. I don't know the anatomy of bow and arrow apparently. Yeah. But like when your thighs quiver, but it's also like a sheath for your arrows. Hmm. And you're quivering. Could be something there. Hmm. I know, like, a sheath is, like, like in certain other languages, they call a vagina basically a sheath. Yeah. I don't know. I just like it when it quivers. I like all of these words. I like quiver. I like sheath. I like... <laughs> <laughs> Keep regaling me with your vocabulary. I love it. <laughs> so for our incredible Greek goddess Athena, we are... Carrying a special shake. Yes. <laughs> it's a special Shakti shake that I, Shane, have been dreading. Uh, because even though our Shaktista is amazing and she's found a perfect recipe for us, it's all ingredients that I don't like <laughs> at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. I've agreed to take my first sip on air so <laughs> that... So this is going to be really interesting. Yeah. And let's talk about what's in it first. Yeah, let's do that. Just just quickly. Yeah. So we are – so the shake this week is Athena's Warrior Teeny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So we are doing a take on basically exactly a dirty martini. Yeah. So we are making a mar- this martini with gin, which is one of our favorites. <laughs> mm, no, not at but all. But not at all. So – <laughs> just like a couple of things about gin, just <laughs> for our edification. 
Uh, so gin is for cocktails. Okay. It should not be drank on its own. This is why I don't like gin, because when I was 18, I did a straight shot of Tangeray and no. immediately vomited. <laughs> yeah, no, like, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I know that now. So, <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> I so learned that real quick. You can drink tequila and mezcal as shots and vodka serves chilled with food in, um, in, in Russia and... You can drink bourbon and rye whiskeys on their own and everything. You can add, like, you can make mixed drinks from these things, but those, like, those can be drank on their own. Yeah. Gin should never be consumed on its own. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, it's that's pretty just much not what it's... paint thinner. Yeah. Well, the reason why is because gin, that gin is meant to be mixed is because the botanicals in it, so the herbs and the spices they use to make that ginny f- gin flavor. Yeah. Is, it, they, it comes to life in cocktails and adds complexity to the drink. Mm. So... This is why so many cocktails call for gin, and actually gin is the most used, the most used spirit in, in like, any cocktail, like, in all cocktails, oh. in, like, the history of cocktails, gin huh. is the most used. Interesting. One so, like, plants. one of her plants is balsam, so it's this evergreen. Perfect. So, that goes well. And then another one of her plants is olives. Yes. And so, with a dirty martini with olive juice, mm-hmm. we've got that in there. Um, and to make a martini a martini... We also added dry vermouth, extra dry vermouth. Fuck, I fucking hate <laughs> dry drinks. And so it's it's basically just a fortified white wine with, again, various botanicals. So roots, barks, flowers, seeds, herbs. So it See, actually... See, they say all this shit to make it sound good, and it's not. It's just... <laughs> but it's, it works with Athena, though. It works because, with Athena. Like, yeah, it's absolutely. it's all the botanical pieces of it, like, absolutely. made into one drink. Like, even the yeah. vermouth. Yeah, which... that's true. <laughs> That's true. A lot of botanicals with her. Yeah. So it's interesting. Green olives are disgusting and should never be consumed. (laughs) Yeah. But if you like them, this is the drink for you. So, like, I recognize when we started doing this, like, we're going to have to come up with drinks that maybe we don't like. And this is our first time doing it. And, um, yeah. So we're just diving right in. And also, like, we know people who love dirty martinis and stuff. So we're not, like unaware that people love these things yeah. or anything but like if you're one of those people <laughs> drink this with happiness and invoke you're Athena. gonna love it and yeah. we, we're using tangeray gin too which is the more junipery of the gins i would say mm. <laughs> so yeah let's do this so we're gonna drink this all right uh i tried one earlier if you want to check our instagram highlights um my taste of it was on <laughs> the instagram yeah. highlight they're me yeah uh, Shane has not had this yet, so she's going to taste it. I want you to make sure to breathe through your nose so you get the full effect that I did. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you that's cannot really necessary. Not, you can't not breathe through your nose because then you don't actually taste it at all, and I, you need to taste it. I mean, I'm not going to hold my nose, but I feel like I'm going to taste it no matter what. I mean, okay, go. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, here we go. She's going for it. Oh, fuck, I breathe. Okay. <laughs> Why did I do that? That was stupid. Fuck, I breathe again. <laughs> Okay. Stop okay. sniffing it. And now I'm smiling. I can't stop. Okay. Mmm. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, but it's not that bad. Do I like martinis? <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay. Oh, my God. I actually like this. Oh, okay. So, this is something that you might not, like, that our listeners might not know about you. So, Shane has this, <laughs> <laughs> so Shane has this habit of, she fucking hate something until she doesn't. Yeah. Until proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Like, she hated 
Sparkling water. She hated LaCroix, LaCroix. Yeah, because it's pretentious as fuck. I still hate it on principle. It's delicious. So yeah, <laughs> the cherry and lime. The rest of it can go fuck off. <laughs> I hated the Bee Gees. Those are the Bee Gees. Ooh, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that again, but hold it, hold it at the stem. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I like it. It does sit in your stomach. It gets really warm and toasty down there. Yeah. It's so good. She's she doesn't mean that at all. I actually yeah, I love fucking here's the Athena. Thanks, babe. <laughs> I can't believe you like it. I can't either, honestly. Oh my god. That's delicious. <laughs> it's because I made it. I know. You if you love. ordered this out somewhere, you would hate it. I would. Probably. Maybe. That's how full of myself I am, folks. I am <laughs> I'm not a bartender. I'm here I just for think it. I'm that great. Okay. <laughs> She is that great, though. Aw, thanks. Totally, totally true. You're so sweet. Never going to disagree with that. She's an angel. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. You saved me. Aw. You're so sweet. I love you. I love you, too. Should I talk about about our lady? Yes. Our goddess? What is our background and origin story? Yeah. So I got a few uh, fun stories about Athena. She's a really popular goddess because she's a Greek goddess. So if you want to know more... The internet is rife with material for her. But I found a few sources or just a few stories that I thought were fun and lets us know a little bit more about her. And yeah, if you want to learn more, the internet is your friend. <laughs> so uh, I got my my stories from a few sources like Goddess Gift is one that I keep going back to that always has good information and um, a, few other, a few other places as well. Athena is... A lot of us know her as the goddess of war. She's also known as Minerva in Roman mythology. Oh. Yeah. So same goddess, different name. Okay. Slightly different stories because Romans came up with their own stories. Mm -hmm. Essentially a little bit of background. Greeks had all these gods and goddesses. Romans basically invaded Greece, took everything over. Including their gods. But they appreciated it so much that they appropriated the fuck out of it and made it their own. Oh. And so when you run into... To instances where there's different names for gods and goddesses, but the same, but they're the same person. Like that's why, because the Romans were just like, no, we really love this. We just want to call it something else. Although she was pretty much known as like the goddess of war, it was more as a mediator and a planner that she excelled. So she was more about the strategy, and not the actual the, like front line. Yeah, fighting. Like, she would fight. So like once war had begun, like she's joining it. But she was more like strategy, cunning, mm-hmm. wisdom. You know, she's much more cognitive about the war than just the fighting. Her brother, Ares, mm-hmm. was more like the fighter for the war stuff. So she's strategic. Yeah, she's strategic. She's a very smart goddess, all about wisdom. She also is a virgin goddess. So there's only three virgin goddesses in uh, the Greek pantheon. And they were referred to as virgin, virgin goddesses. Because they were able to remain independent and unswayed by the spells of Aphrodite. Oh. Yeah. Because apparently Aphrodite would just put spells on people and be like, now y'all fucking. (laughs) And Athena didn't. That sounds like Aphrodite. Yeah. If I was Aphrodite, that's what I would do. I can't wait until we do. Wait, did we do Aphrodite? No, we did Anana, who Aphrodite was kind of like from Anana. Inspired inspired by Anana. Anana? Yeah. I was like, wait. Did we already do her? (laughs) Yeah. Romance and marriage did not feature in Athena's mythology at all. 
So she was, in essence, the prototype of the contemporary career woman. Hey. Yeah. She doing her thing. She's doing her thing. She don't need no man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so her origin story, I like this story, was Zeus, it's her dad, and he's sitting there and he has this huge headache. And he had the headache because he swallowed his first wife, Metis. Yeah, when he learned that she was pregnant, he feared that she was carrying the son that had been prophesied to supplant him on the throne. And so he did what any man would do and was like, fuck that. Can't take that risk. I'm going to eat this bitch. So he did a snake thing where he just like released his jaw and like consumed her? Yeah, I'm going to assume that's what it was. Yeah, that's, that's what I imagine. Yeah. I imagine um, Zeus from the Disney Hercules in my mind right now, <laughs> just like, oh. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that needs to be a sound effect throughout the rest of the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is what I imagine. Thanks, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> you live with us forever. So those, swallowing her seemed like a good idea at the time, as it does. So ready to risk anything to get rid of the pain in his head that tormented him, he allowed one of the other gods to split his head open and voila! Out came a beautiful, full-grown daughter dressed in golden battle armor who instantly became the apple of her father's eye. So he, like, birthed her through Through his his head. head. Yeah. In full regalia. I feel like there's a lot of these kind of Zeus stories where he, like, is the one to birth people. Yeah. I'm sure patriarchy has a role to play here. Like, I remember something about Hercules. Like, he, like... he Hercules was going to be like s- stillborn or something. I, I don't remember, but mm-hmm. like basically his wife then died, and he like took the baby, took Hercules out of her, mm-hmm. slit his thigh open, and put Hercules in his thigh hmm. to let him continue to gestate. Oh, that's nice. That's a story I remember. I don't know how true that is, but I or how true the mythology is. I could have just dreamt it. I don't know anything <laughs> about that, so. It could be true. It could be very true. Yeah. And fuck those guys because we're yeah. not even talking about that. We're talking about fucking Athena today. Exactly. Yeah. She's the one that's important. Hell yeah. So she's a motherless child. I mean, she has a mother, but her dad ate her. Uh, but she grew up without a mom because, you know, digestion. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she was, she was Zeus's favorite. And she was the only one of his children that Zeus ever entrusted with his magic shield and the secret of where his lightning bolts were stored. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she remained his constant ally and fierce protector, promoting his interests, serving as his advisor for, like, ever. Like, they were really close. Oh, Yeah. That's sweet. sweet. It is sweet. It's very sweet. So I talked to you about how Athena is, like, the goddess of weaving. And I have a story about how um, – I have a story about – her being like the goddess of weaving. And I'm not sure, I'm I'm assuming that in Greek history, weaving and basket making things like that probably played a significant role in trade and mm-hmm. skills and art. So Yeah, I'm sure. That's usually why there's these stories about a specific craft or trade. Because they want to explain where this came from or yeah. how this was came to be. Yeah. 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 So logical by nature, the goddess Athena rarely lost her cool. One exception where she became hot-headed and again sided with her male power structure. And I'll side note here, Athena is very patriarchal. 
So when I think of Athena, I'm thinking of, like, the woman general in the military who, like, is, like, yes, yeah, she's still a female. She's still, you know. She's very masculine. Feminine, but she's extremely masculine, extremely, like, probably androgynous, I would say. She's a very yeah. androgynous goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though she is a female, lots of masculine traits. And she sides with the patriarchy, you know. Mm. Like, she really does. But, I mean, everybody's got their thing. Oh, and she's, like. Probably also survival, and this is what she knows. Well, I don't... Not survival, I guess, necessarily, but, like, this is what she was born into. Yeah, she was born to go into battle. Yeah. And I think sometimes this kind of goes into, like, us as women, again, feeling like there's only one way to be a woman, and that's feminine and flowy. Yeah. But she's showing us that there's this other way. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, fierce and, you know, a lot of physical strength and mental and intellectual strength that sometimes women feel afraid to get in touch with. Yeah. So I think you could probably use her to help get in touch with those sides of yourself. My Herstory Queen that I'm covering today actually resonates a lot with Athena. So we're going to find a lot of the same kind of themes going on between her and Athena. That's interesting because mine kind of does too in terms of like the androgynous and just like doing whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm here for it. We didn't plan it, but it works. We did not plan that at all. Okay, so there's a story of Arachne, and Arachne, which is a source word for arachnid, which spiders. That's what I thought I saw earlier when I was freaking out and being like a cat. I was like, oh my god, that's a spider coming from the ceiling. I love spiders. I love spiders. I love it when a spider crosses my path because it means a web is being woven. I love spiders, and they're always mamas. I don't. Want I mean, them. they're not always mamas. There has to be male spiders. But I don't I want love them. them. I don't want them in my bed. I don't want them on me. Yeah. But if they live in the same room as me, I let them live. Yeah, absolutely. I like shush them. I like shoo them to corners and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, you can be here. Yeah. Unless they're like jai fucking gigantic, then I take a mason jar and I scoop them up and I take them outside. Nah, it doesn't bother me. I really, I can't sleep because like as soon as like as soon as I walk away, they'll be gone. I won't see them ever again. No. Live and let live. Okay. So. No. <laughs> I mean, you could keep saying it, but I love spiders. No. But I, I'm with you. I'm not trying kill to them. Like, I'm never going to kill them. I'm not trying to pick them. them up and, like, hold them. Yeah, like, I'm never going to kill them, but I'm going to, like, yeah. if, it's, if it's too big for me to cohabitate with, I will scoop it in a mason jar and put her outside somewhere. No, I'm here for it. Yeah. I get it. I do that. I shoo them away. Okay. So, the story of Arachne. So, Arachne was a young mortal woman who challenged Athena to a contest to see who was the best weaver. And Athena wasn't at all upset about being challenged by a mortal and fairly judged Arachne's creation to be as flawless as her own. So, she was cool. She was like, yep, we'll be in this contest. That looks, yeah, like you did a really good job. You know, yours is just as good as mine. Which is, like, pretty cool for a goddess to be able to admit that. Yeah. But the subject matter of Arachne's tapestry offended Athena greatly mm. because Arachne had depicted the amorous and adulterous adventures of Zeus, Athena's father. So, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Is she, like, just poking the bear? Like, I guess. Like, oh, I'm just going to, like, yeah, I'm going to challenge you to a basket yeah. weaving or whatever. And Check then- <laughs> it out. This is your dude fucking some other woman that's not your, your dad. mom. Yeah, your, your mom. Dad. Yeah, your dad fucking some other woman that's not your mom. Like, hope that doesn't bother you. Like, nobody wants to see their parents have sex. 
No. Not even on a tapestry. Definitely not on a tapestry. I feel like not definitely. Like, it, I mean, that of all the sterling. ways that I could see it, that would probably be the least offensive. But back then, there's probably two That's things. True. On a tapestry or in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> there's like clay pottery. Painting. I don't know. <laughs> you really got his likeness, but I have to smote you now. <laughs> So livid that Arachne would dare to mock authority in such a way, Athena slashed the tapestry to shreds and drove Arachne to hang herself. So I think she just, like, drove her so crazy that Arachne hung herself to be free of, like, whatever wrath Athena was exacting. Oh, shit. And then when Athena had quieted her emotions, she took pity on the poor woman and let her live. But to let her live, she had to transform her into a spider. But then, as a spider, she was able to weave her beautiful webs for eternity. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, Athena, you know, Hopefully was, she wasn't, like, upset too bad about that, maybe? About the... Being to, able to weave for eternity, or would you not want to be weaving for eternity? I mean, if you're a spider and, like, that's what you do, it would be really nice after a rain when all the dew drops are on your web. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're such an optimist. No, I really am. I feel like now that. my web's all wet and the yeah. damn bugs won't stick. No. No, because the bugs will come because they'll need something to drink. Okay. Drink a You'll drop just spin everything that'll From say. my web. <laughs> I will. It's beautiful. You're a spin master. I am a spin master. Not to be mistaken with a DJ because I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. But yeah, so Athena was a goddess of crafts. And she was celebrated as the patron of weavers, potters, goldsmiths, sculptors, musicians, and horsemen. I feel like there's just more and more things that are attributed to her the more I read. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she's pretty cool. She was credited with the invention of the yoke and the bridle, the sailing ship, the flute, and the trumpet. Holy moly. She's done a lot. She has done a lot. So in some of the pictures that I have seen of her, she is depicted with an owl. Mm-hmm. And the owl's normally, like, above her shoulder or something like that. Mm-hmm. What – tell me about the owl. So the owl on her shoulder is there to reveal truth to her and represents wisdom and knowledge. So she carries the owl to illuminate her blind side, and it allows her to see the entire truth. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And Greek soldiers – viewed the sight of owls before a battle as a symbol that the goddess was with them and on their side. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, like, in history, why they speculate that it, the owl is seen with her is because a small species of owl was common in Athens, which Athens, Greece, is named from Athena. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there was a small species of owl common in Athens at the time, uh, you know, during, like, this mythology when it was you know, popular, and they proposed that the bird's presence gave rise to the idea that it was, like, symbolic of the city's goddess. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So in Roman mythology, there's a myth that the princess Nyctamine fled deep into the woods after being raped by her father, the king of Lesbos, and she felt such deep shame that she became I, nocturnal. I can't even be, like, happy that you said Lesbos after that. Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Like, which makes me wonder if, like, that's where lesbian came from, which I'm sure there's, I'm sure lesbian came from, the word lesbian, not lesbian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came from. <laughs> Lesbians came from lesbos. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. 
Lesbos came from Lesbos. I was like, ugh, I want to be excited that you just said Lesbos, but I can't because that's a yeah. really fucked up story. Yeah, but it's not a fucked up story. Okay, good. She felt such deep shame. She fled into the woods. She felt such deep shame that she became nocturn- nocturnal and would not show her face in daylight. But moved by her plight, Minerva, the Roman counterpart to Athena, transformed her into an owl, which later became her symbol. That was really nice. Yeah. So she was like, you don't have to be ashamed. You're this beautiful creature. Now I'll carry you with me wherever I go. I like that a lot. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like so loving and and purposeful. Like she gave her a purpose and she's like, you're not nothing. Yeah. You don't need to be ashamed. Like now you can do this thing for me and like be my be my eyes and my wisdom. Yeah. You're helpful and beautiful. So. So those are my Athena stories. I love Athena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, cool. I really wish that lemon peel would have worked really well for this drink if she was the <laughs> goddess of lemon peels. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This shit's delicious. <laughs> There's citrus. We could have put orange in. No, we couldn't put orange in here. That would be terrible. There's literally like nothing that you can mix with olive juice. I think. That makes, besides alcohol. If like, there's something that you can mix with olive juice to make it sweet and delicious, email us at shaktishakeup at gmail.com. Or slide into our DMs or send us a Facebook message or tweet us at yes. shaktishakeup. <laughs> On all three. You're so good at that. Yeah. Do you want to hear about our everyday goddess? I really do. I do. Who is she? <laughs> our everyday goddess is Laverne Cox. Yes. And Laverne Cox is... An American actress and LGBTQ advocate. I love her. She became more well-known through her role as Sophia on Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Good I show. felt I completely fell in love with her on that show, too. Oh, yeah. She was amazing in that show. Yeah. That's fucking. an amazing show, and she does phenomenal. Laverne Cox, we both fell in love with her through Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Where, um, and I'll talk more about her, more about that role of hers in a little bit. But... Oh, this actually um, helped her become the first openly transgender person to be nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award. Nice. In any acting category. Also, can I just say how happy I am that there's an actual transgender person playing a transgender role in a television show? So she realized that as she was trying out for things and everything, she she would try out for trans roles and mm-hmm. land trans roles yeah. without actually opening, opening, op- openingly saying, like, I'm trans. Oh, And okay. so just to get into a little bit of definitions for people, too, because yeah. um, I've, I used to be confused by this as well. But so trans woman, mm-hmm. so Laverne Cox is a trans woman. So she was assigned a male gender at birth and is now female mm-hmm. and identifies as a woman. Does that work in the opposite yeah. Trans male. So be. trans man is somebody who was assigned female at birth and is now male. identifies as male. Okay. Um, and of course, gender is fluid and there's everything in between and non-binary and all of this. But just to um, clear up the confusion between trans man, trans mm-hmm. woman, yeah. that's what the, those definitions that's are. That's good. In 2015, she won a Daytime Emmy Award in Outstanding Special Class as Executive Producer for Laverne Cox Presents. Okay. The T Word. Ooh. I'm guessing that's about transgender issues. I believe so. And this is also making her the first openly transgender woman to win the award. That's fucking awesome. She has a million firsts. 
by the way. I love it. Like, in 2017, she became... And, like, <laughs> woman of color, which is fucking amazing, too. Yeah, and the violence against trans people mm-hmm. and the trans population in general is yeah. huge. Yeah. And then that, like, statistic quadruples if you're a person of color and trans. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's wow. deeply fucked. I so, love that she's such a figure for this community and, like, such a positive figure. Yeah, she's incredible. So another first. In 2017, she became the first transgender person to play a transgender series regular on broadcast TV Mm -hmm. as Cameron Worth in CBS's Doubt. Oh, Which I have never watched, but I will watch anything with her in it now. Yeah. I mean, she's just talented. Like, she's just a good one to watch. Yeah, wildly talented. She's also... I'm, it's like I said, I'm going to go through like a million first. So okay. she was the first openly trans person to appear on the cover of Cosmopolitan. Hell yeah. And first openly trans person to have a wax figure of herself in <laughs> Madame Tussauds. Hell yes. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. I and, love that. And so, and I don't know if you felt this way about her in like Orange is the New Black and like mm-hmm. maybe, of course, like there are a lot of shorter women on that show and stuff, but like. Yeah. I read that she's um, 5'11", and I thought that that was actually seemed short. Yeah, because like, she seems she's, like she's, like, 6'6", six, six in that I show. Yeah, I know. Like, And I'm thinking, like, oh, maybe everybody on that show is just, like, my height, like, 5'4". So yeah. like, maybe everybody's just really short on that show. No, they definitely made her seem taller. Yeah. Yeah, they made her seem really tall on that show. Maybe that was too, like... I don't know. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, she's like, already like, play playing a trans character. person. Yeah, yeah, I don't... I'm not sure little bit about, about her background, so her Laverne Cox's origin story. So she was born in May, May 29th, 1972 in Mobile, Alabama mm-hmm. to a single mother and... It's Mobile. Mobile. It's Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. Yeah, Mobile. Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I like saying it like Forrest Gump because he used to say Mobile, he Alabama. He said Greenbow. Greenbow. Yeah. I swear he said Mobile to at some Greenbow, point. Greenbow, Alabama. Which is not a place. Oh, well. Isn't that sad? That is sad. I know. Tim and Jenny can't die there. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers for Forrest Gump. They don't die there. Well. From 1992. One of them doesn't die there. Or (laughs) whatever. If you haven't seen Forrest Gump at this point, get underneath, get out of your rock and go. Yeah. We'll watch watch that together with Game of Thrones. (laughs) So she was born to a single mother, and her grandmother helped raise her. Mm-hmm. She has an identical twin brother who played pre-transitioning Sophia in Orange is the New Black. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wonder how they did that. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so that that's was cool. convenient. I know. I thought that, too, when I learned that. I was like, wow, that's pretty fucking convenient. Yeah. So she – I have a quote from her. So she said, I have been a performer my whole life. I started studying dance when I was eight years old in Mobile, Alabama. And was performing in dance recitals and talent shows by the time I was in third grade. Mm-hmm. My childhood was filled with, with dreams of fame and performing on television mm-hmm. and movies and on Broadway and the great stages of the world. Ooh, I like it. So from a young, young age, she knew that she wanted to be a performer. I always love that when people just like have their ambitions for their whole life. I have a sad story. Of this course. Is, this is the, one of the only sad stories I have, I think. She did state that she attempted suicide at the age of 11. Oh, my God. That's so young. When she noticed that she had developed feelings for her male classmates and had been bullied for several years of not oh. acting, of not acting in, quote, the way someone assigned male at birth was supposed to act. 
Oh, sister. Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking awful, and it's not isolated. It's like we hear about that every single day. Yeah. And (laughs) that's why, like, you need to raise your kids to be decent fucking humans who don't treat other kids like shit. Yeah. (laughs) Also, just try yourself to be a decent human who doesn't treat other people like shit. Yeah, don't be a shit. Kids imitate you. (laughs) Yeah. None of our people are shits. You're all amazing. Yeah. They can tell other people to not be shits. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So she's also a graduate of the Alabama School of Fine Arts in Birmingham, Alabama. Cool. Where she studied creative writing before switching to dance. Mm-hmm. And then she studied for two years at Indiana University Bloomington before transferring to Marymount Manhattan College in New York City. Hell yeah, girl. Get out of that small town, those big lights. And then finally, she switched from dancing to acting. Fuck yes. <laughs> Thank God for that, because now we see her everywhere. I know. And during her first season of Orange is the New Black, she was actually still appearing at a restaurant on the Lower East Side as a drag queen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where she had applied initially to work as a waitress. And wow. they asked her to be a drag queen. What the fuck? Yeah. And she was like, a girl's got to eat. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> she's like, fuck it. A like, girl's got to eat and rent in New York is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I just, I mean, I, I could go on about her forever. She was actually in several shows such as, she was in Law and Order Special, Special Victims Unit, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite shows, Bored to Death and Musical Chairs, which those two I have not heard of. But yeah. she was in Law and Order, which is pretty much like my goal to just yeah. be like I would be an extra corpse oh my God. or something what I if would we just... got like famous and then yeah you would just be like corpse number three I would be happy being corpse number three on Law and Order SVU and have Mariska yeah. Hargitay accidentally kick me or something are you gonna like fist bump ice tea oh I'm gonna fucking try yeah yeah <laughs> I feel like I would hug Coco and try to feel her boobs like on my chest not like touch her boobs <laughs> I feel like if I saw her in real life, I don't know what I would do. But we're like the same heights. Like it would be, she's so tiny. It would be the perfect hugging person By because the way, I never get to hug people and have my face like in air because I'm so short. That, your like, head is always my in head boobs. is always in <laughs> boobs, either dude boobs or girl boobs. Like no matter what, but like somebody who's my height, that's yeah. a good hug. Yeah, listeners, if you ha- if you do not follow Coco of Coco and Ice Tea, yeah, you need to because she's amazing she's pretty cool yeah and i mean she's just like fun to watch and like watch her dynamic with her daughter is really really sweet and like her with iced tea and they're they're so in love and she's like so proud of him and all of his accomplishments and sometimes she does yoga so now it's relevant because that i'm talking about her because she's relevant because i brought it up (laughs) fuck yeah we're gonna talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about i'm fucking saying it (laughs) fuck i love you so (laughs) So, in 2013 was when she started acting in Orange is the New Black. Okay. She uh, was – so, her character on that show was a trans woman sent to prison for credit card fraud. Yeah. And in that year, she stated, Sophia is written as a multidimensional character who the audience can really empathize with. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they're empathizing with a real trans person. And for trans folks out there who need to see representation of people – who are like them and yeah. of their experiences, that's when it becomes really important. Yeah. So, I, yeah. yeah. I watched that show, like I said, like the first few seasons, and I really loved and appreciated the way they portrayed her transition 
from oh, yeah. going from man to woman because they do like back flash like flashbacks mm-hmm. in the show. And, and she was married and like her relationship with her wife, like yeah. when she was a man, yeah, and what that looked like and everything how that changed and i think they did a really good job of you know showing how difficult that transition really is and how how even though it's difficult being yourself and staying true to who you Mm -hmm. are is ultimately the most important thing yeah and you know even if it means like even if it means other people are going to get hurt or uh you know your life is going to change drastically still being okay with who you are and finding a way to thrive as your most authentic self is extremely important. And that's really what, what Laverne Cox's whole platform is, is she says, we are born as who we are. The gender thing is something that you, that is imposed on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when well, I think even if it's like, you know, like for, for trans people, like the gender thing is something that's imposed on you. But I think everybody in life has a sort of, thing that's imposed on them a sort of belief of like how you're supposed to be that's imposed on them and we don't always identify with that so during her college years she went from being gender non-conforming to being more and more femme Mm -hmm. she said i would soon start my medical transition and living and identifying as female Mm -hmm. as i started my transition i knew i wanted to continue to perform and i often found myself performing in drag shows in the nightclub scene and she said, I never really identified as a drag queen, but it provided an outlet for me for my desire to perform. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool, too. Oh, totally. And she acted in off-off Broadway shows for, for free just so that she could perform more. She usually, and this is what I was talking about earlier, so she said, I usually auditioned for trans roles, and those were mostly the work that I got. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I found myself auditioning for agents and casting directors and not disclosing that I am trans. In retrospect, I believe many of them probably knew I didn't I didn't want to lead with being trans. I wanted to lead with my talent. Yeah. I also had a lot of shame still around being trans. Yeah. And then she said that shame started to lift when Candace Kane came onto the scene. So Candace Kane was in a show, I think, called Dirty Sexy Money. Okay. And she was the first openly trans actress and that like on air uh-huh. and she was like oh my gosh like this is this is real like I can I can do this yeah. I can be me and like so this woman really paved the way for her to feel more comfortable so mm-hmm. like she ended up that's like the next year after so after seeing all of that the next year is when she booked an appearance on Law and & Order. Mm-hmm. And she said a rite of passage at the time for a New York City actor, which I'm like, <laughs> I am like I believe it because literally every single person, if you look at their IMDb, they've been on Law & Order. That's insane. So then she had a second Law & Order appearance, and then she did a her first pilot for an HBO. Oh, this is what the – so Bored to Death was an HBO okay. show, I think. So – and then followed by a reality show called I Want, I Want to Work for Diddy. Which, oh, which actually led to her producing and starring in her first show on VH1 called Transform Me. Oh, all right. Yeah. So it this everything just kind of spiraled from that point yeah. where she was like, I'm going to be me. And I love that. Like when she just yeah. embraced herself, that was when the magic happened. Yeah, absolutely. And she, she, um, 
I mean, she's earned numerous honors and award nominations for her work and advocacy from being featured on the cover of Time magazine to an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series to a SAG Award for Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Comedy Series Mm -hmm. and an advocate with an empowering message of moving beyond gender expectations to live more authentically. She was also named as one of Glamour Magazine's 2014 Women of the Year, Mm -hmm. which is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's a big deal. One of the Griot's 100 Most Influential African Americans and one of the top 50 trans icons by the Huffington Post. Wow. And honored with the Courage Award from the Anti-Violence Project (laughs) and the Reader's, it just goes on forever, and the Reader's Choice Award from Out Magazine, among other accolades. Wow, that's phenomenal. And a lot of this um, I learned about from her website. She has her own website, so you can go to the About section and learn more about her and more about her origin story and everything. Mm -hmm. She's huge on having, of of utilizing her platform to support trans rights. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Trump administration is reviewing a policy that would narrowly define gender as either male or female. Oh, Jesus. A matter that, according to the proposal, is determined by genitalia at birth. Wow. Such a limited definition would have deeply negative impacts on the transgender community. Yeah. Potentially affecting their health. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In a series of tweets, because this is the platform that celebrities use all the time, like even our, like our fucking president uses it. Yeah. She proposed... So she completely slammed the proposed policy and and its attempts to marginalize transgender people as another example of brutal colonialism. Mm-hmm. We must not give up the fight, she tweeted, but in the face of this affront on my existence and the existence of my community, I choose love, not fear. Yeah. We exist and we always have. Mm. Trans people have been under attack by this administration from day one and in legislatures for years now. Yeah. Let's join together, American and assert hashtag trans rights are human rights. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, she's fucking amazing. She's utilizing, her, like, her space, her platform to mm-hmm. try to get more rights. And, yeah, she's fucking amazing. Yeah. I mean, she's got a really great story. And to come from, like, wanting to commit suicide when she was 11 years old to all of the accomplishments that she's done now and then using her platform – to help others and make it so that like other 11 year old kids maybe in her same situation can now see someone like her and know that there's a way for it to get better even if it doesn't feel okay right now like that's just beautiful that's absolutely beautiful yes yeah that's why she's our everyday goddess yeah it definitely makes sense that works i like it i'm really happy about it i'm glad that we did it so close to pride yeah, me too. Like, we got to celebrate this stuff. Yeah. So, Shane. Yes. What are we calling this? The queen of... Who is your queen of herstory? My queen of herstory. Who is, is your queen of herstory? My queen of herstory is Julie Dabney. She's also known as La Maupin. La Maupin. Yeah. I... Is she maybe French? She is French. <laughs> Funny you should ask. Yes. She is French. I actually learned about her through a meme that was circulating on Facebook that said the things that she had done. And I was like, this woman may have been me in a past life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because she's very uh, wild and uh, risque. Ooh. And uh, she's done a lot of crazy ass shit. And I just like it because we rarely get to hear about like women – that just really kind of like 
tout the laws of society. And she just is like, yeah, fuck that. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, I'm going to get into it. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I am taking really all of my information from a website called rejectedprincesses.com. So it's a website where this woman does go through and she finds women throughout history that have just been kind of doing like crazy awesome stuff. That's cool as shit. Yeah. And she has uh, cartoons that go along with them and just tells their story and it's historically accurate and she does it in a really fun way. So most of what I'm reading is going to just be straight from this source. I love it. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. I'm here for it. All right. So Julie Dobney is a sword slinger, opera singer, and larger-than-life bisexual celebrity of 17th century France. I love her tagline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> already, already best. Her life was a whirlwind of duels, seduction, grave robbing, and convent burning. <laughs> Fucking what? So intense that she had to be pardoned by the king of France twice. Oh my she got she... pardoned twice. Why was she even pardoned, though? Oh, we'll find out. Okay, we're gonna find <laughs> like, out. that's fucking awesome. We're going to get. We're going to get there. I mean, good for her too. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just her introduction. Oh my god, I fucking love her. So La Maupin, her married and professional name is La Maupin, and that's what we're going to use because nobody really knows for sure that her name was Julie. So, her dad was a piece of work. He was in charge of training Louis XIV's pages. So uh, there's like a page and then there's the knights. So oh, her yeah. dad trained the pages. Like Gendry in Game of Thrones. Or Pip. That's what I mean. Pip. Yeah, Pip. Like Pip in Game of Thrones. Yes, like Pip in Game of Thrones. I get Gendry and Pip confused. Is his name uh, Pip? Yeah, J- yeah, Pip, Pimp, Pimp. Pimp. <laughs> Fiddly D? I don't know. Who cares? Let's move on. This isn't the Game of Thrones podcast. It should be. (laughs) (laughs) So he trained the pages and then he fenced nonstop during the day and hit up gambling bars and brothels in the evenings. And so their like father-daughter bonding time was pretty much like him teaching her how to use deadly weapons, like teaching her how to fence and then using those weapons to drive off potential suitors. Yeah, but that's very Athena-like. Yeah, absolutely it is. <laughs> but I love it because this the sentence says this paternal embargo on genital contact backfired when our heroine found a loophole stopping her dad's boss. Hey, the one man that he couldn't challenge to a duel. <laughs> yeah, so she was like, "Oh, I'm you know going through puberty. Enjoy me some of the." Uh, finer things in life <laughs> so i'm just gonna fuck your boss because you can't do anything about that oh my god yeah talk about rebelling oh yeah <laughs> this girl is nothing but a rebel and i think that's why i love her so much because when her boss like when the boss that she was fucking became frustrated with her increasing my like wild ways he arranged her marriage to a, a clerk just like this like unseeming mild-mannered clerk thinking that that might settle settle her down so he's like, okay, like, clearly you're kind of going insane. I'm just going to marry you off to some dude. <laughs> he's calm. Maybe he'll, like, you know, put you in your place or whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> but instead of, like, doing that, she was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go, like, couple up with this swordsman over here, take him as my new lover, 
we're going to leave and we're just going to wander aimlessly through France together. And that's what she did. She left her husband for like some swordsman and they went wandering around France together. That's awesome. Yeah. And then as they're wandering around, she earned her living through singing and dueling demonstrations, usually dressed as a man. And she always dressed as a man. That was what she wore for like the rest of her life was she dressed as a man. And when she was in these competitions, she was already so skilled with the sword at this point, better than her lover, even, that audiences sometimes didn't believe that she was actually a woman. And once a drunken onlooker was like, you're a man, like, you're you're actually a man, you're not a woman. He's like, show me your tits. Yeah, she did. She tore off her uh. shirt <laughs> and, like, showed him her tits and just was like, the fuck, I'm not a woman. <laughs> like, oh my here's my boobs. Yeah, yeah. The shit we have to do. I know. To (laughs) prove ourselves. Oh, my God. So she hated being bored. And, yeah. As we all do. As we all do. And I think she hated it more than most. So she dumped the swordsman that she was with, said she was tired of men in general, and seduced a local merchant's daughter. Oh, hey, girl. Swore off the dudes and was like, hey, you, pretty little thing over there. I kind of want you. Sit on my lap. Yeah. (laughs) So the daughter's father, the merchant, really desperate to separate the two, sent his daughter to a convent. (laughs) But Maupin joined the convent herself to start hooking up with the daughter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I fucking love this woman. So shortly into their convent stay, like, an elderly nun died. And it says it was unrelated causes. Like, she just died. And this is, like, a really weird, like, I don't really understand this myself. La Maupin reacted the same way anyone might. She disinterred the body, put it in her lover's room, and then set the whole convent on fire. Wait, what does disinterred mean? Like, dug up. She dug up. The dead nun and put it in her lover's room? Yeah. And Why? then set the convent on fire. Was she pissed at her lover? I have a feeling the nun was probably an asshole. Um, okay. Like, I don't know but why. She's, like, dead already. It so. doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't think she's a person that makes logical, sound decisions. Oh, maybe she was, like, a bit... I think she's a bit Looney Tunes. Yeah. But, like, in a really fun way. <laughs> Like, a way that, like, you're just, like, you want to be around her because you're, like, you're so fucking, like, charming and insane and kind of crazy, but, like, also exhausting. Like, she's good in small doses. Yeah. She's one of those friends. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so then set the comment on fire, and then they ran off together during the fire, and they eloped. But then after three months, Mopan got bored and, like, dumped her back at her parents' house and ran away, like... Like, with this girl who... She just does whatever the fuck she, she wants. She does whatever the fuck she wants. And I really love her for that. Like, just whatever she wants. So, because of all this crazy shit that she did, she was sentenced to death. Oh, Yeah, like, they were like, no, you're you're sentenced to death. You're too... You're too... You're hysterical. You're hysterical. You're, you're crazy hysterical. female. But, like, in this case, like, they're kind of right. Like, she's setting <laughs> she's convents some, on fire. Yeah, like, she's doing like, some pretty... Pretty risky stuff. I mean, like, just flat out illegal. Like, I you can't mean, just go setting convents on fire. Also, why are you really digging can't. up nuns' bodies? Like, come don't, on. Honey. Yeah. Honey. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> but she was like, oh, fuck. My, uh, my shenanigans caught up with me. Went back to her dad's boss, her first paramour, 
begged him for his help, and through his influence, he was able to convince Louis XIV to revoke her sentence. She's like a magic puss. Yeah, so that was her first pardon. It was that. And I keep trying to like this. Stop drinking it. I will. <laughs> just stop drinking it. <laughs> so the king pardoned her. But what she did was she just like ran off to Paris and joined the opera. She's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to join the opera. This is another reason I think we're soulmates because I like to sing. So clearly she was me in a past life. Yes. Or I was her in a past life. I was her in a past life. Please That's don't go Nick digging up nuns. Don't do that. I learned a little bit over the years. Give me some credits. Um, if this makes you feel uh, old at all, she did all of this before she was 20. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. She lived more life in 20 years than I have, like. Did she start at, like, 12? She had to have, like, I mean, like, as soon as she really hit. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, let's just start sucking and going crazy and wiling out. Yeah. She's just wiling out. Yeah. So, let me see. Uh, her behavior amped up even more when she was an opera singer, which were, like, they were, like, basically the rock stars of the day. Uh-huh. Which makes sense. Yeah, but they had, like, groupies and shit. Yeah. In true theater major fashion, she alternately fucked and fought her way through the stage contemporaries. Audiences loved her for it. <laughs> yeah. Three stories of her time in Paris. So the first story is what? Sorry, there was like a, there's like a weird quote that says, "I alone have architected your ass beating." Oh yeah, that's the story we're getting into. <laughs> I love this story. So there was another opera singer named Dumanil, and he started talking shit about a number of women, including La Maupin, and she responded by ambushing him, pushing a sword in his face. In demanding a duel, when he refused on the grounds that he was a wimp, obviously, <laughs> she beat him with a cane, stealing his snuff box and watch. The next day, she caught him complaining that he'd been assaulted by a gang of thieves. But she called him a liar and a coward, threw his watch and snuff box at him, and declared that I alone have architected your ass beating. <laughs> like, I beat your ass. I beat your ass and I stole your shit so I could throw it back in your face when you tried to tell people that you weren't beat up by a girl. Yeah. She did that. <laughs> Fucking love this woman. And then one night, while out cruising the town, a particularly ardent man named Dalbert, which is Albert, began crudely hitting on her. And she just finished singing from the crowd, and he let loose with a one-liner, I've listened to your chirping, but now tell me of your plumage. Oh, my God. What a fuck. Yeah, which Fucking is basically calling like, motherfucker. Does the carpet match the drapes? That's Ugh. pretty much what that was. So she was, you know, unimpressed, and she got into a fight with him, and two of his buddies won the fight, ran her sword clean through his shoulder, and, like, totally won, like, stabbed him. And then she felt a bit bad about that. So she visited the victim in the hospital and hooked up with him anyway. Oh, my God. She is <laughs> fucking bananas. She's kind of insane. Yeah. She is bananas. Yeah. I love her. I love her so much. <laughs> she is fucking bananas. Oh, insane. And, like, the relationship only lasted for a little while, but they were lifelong friends, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, stabbed him and then fucked him. And then, like, they just were, like, besties. 
Oh my, that's, I mean, that's how my relationships with people normally start. So that's, I get that. Yeah. 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 How fucking charming <laughs> does she have to be? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, so fucking That's charming. why I was like, she's got like a magic vulva. She's like seducing the ladies, seducing the dudes. They're just like, I don't care that you stabbed me. We need to be friends. <laughs> you burned down convents? That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, I visited my aunt last summer mm. and yeah, that's what I did. Space camp was real fun. <laughs> <laughs> So then this is another good one. She attended a royal ball thrown by, like, either Louis XIV or his brother, dressed as a man. So, yeah, like, she's always dressing as a man. Spent most of the evening courting a young woman, which earned the ire of three of the woman's suitors. <laughs> and when Lamopan pushed things too far and kissed the young lady in view of everyone, the three challenged her to a duel. Why do people keep fucking challenging her? Like, she's going to kick yeah, her ass. Yeah, she's a fucking swordsmith's daughter. Like, she literally has grown up doing this and did it in shows. Like, she, like she's going to kill you. She's killed a lot of men just, like, <laughs> because she fucks women. Like, yeah. it's just crazy. Just let her have, let her have your girl. Yeah. It's fine. So she fought all of them and won, meaning, like, she killed three dudes. <laughs> and, like, to some account, she actually killed them, which I guess you can win a duel without actually killing the person. But, like, she killed them. But this entertained Louis XIV so much that he pardoned her from punishment. Oh, my God. That was her second pardon. He was like, oh, this silly girl just, like, killing these guys and showing up to my parties dressed as a dude. You're fine. This is fine. (laughs) Man, those were the days, right? But what got her (laughs) was, like, the anti-dueling laws were becoming, like, increasingly more severe. And so even the king basically was like, you're fine. I don't care. She still ran to Brussels until, like, the heat died down because the the law governed them. The, this is the best. The reason that the king was like, no, it's fine. Like, you're totally good is because he mused that the law governed men but didn't say anything about women. I mean, loopholes. Hell, yeah. Using that female <laughs> privilege like a motherfucker. This is the one time in history that that yeah. happened. Like, yeah. I'm okay with that. Exactly. I'm here for it. <laughs> All right, so after she she took up with another lover, the Elector of Bavaria, apparently the Elector was a bit nonplussed when she stabbed herself on stage with an actual dagger. She stabbed herself. That's what it says. I mean, she's crazy pants. She's crazy pants, but I love this chick. Oh, my God. Yeah. When he tried to get her to leave by bribing her with 40,000 francs, I think he was, like, trying to get her to leave, like, her house, like, or his house or something, she threw the coin purse at his emissary started swearing at him, and in some versions, she kicked him down the stairs. I'm like, yeah, that, she's, she's kind of, she's crazy. Man. She's out of control. Mm-hmm. But she had a short life. Uh, she moved to Paris Paris. She lived that. to 21. No. <laughs> 37. I mean. 37. Shit. Yeah, but, like, I guess, uh, you know, her life story was told a lot afterwards, but usually it was like, I love the way she writes this. She says, usually in the pearl-clutching, vapor-having tone of a high-society woman might use to describe the bride of Satan. (laughs) (laughs) The bride of Satan. Hashtag bride of Satan. Yeah. Hashtag bride of Satan. I like it. (laughs) A lot of these stories claim that she had a massive change of heart late in life and became religious and, like, rejoined a convent. Oh, God. But those articles only seem to exist like to use her as a morality tale 
So the author says that she's not really sure how literally to take them because it, they only came out, like, after she died. Yeah. But it's it's agreed that she spent the final years of her life reunited with her husband and lived fairly peacefully. Her husband. Oh, her, like, sad, wimpy husband yeah, who she, like, left. Yeah. She left to go run away with a swordsman. and Yeah. Yeah. Like, how fucking charming is she that this dude is like, like, oh, you're back. Oh, he's <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Welcome home, honey. Yeah. I, I missed, missed you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have fun? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um. Tormat. That's La Maupin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's cool as fuck. I fucking love her. Anybody who's like, joins a convent to seduce a girl. Then burns the fucker down. Stabs a man and then fucks him. I'm like, you are just insane and I love you. Like, I need you. I need more. I need more women like you just in the world in general. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because you know she uh, was. Like, a toned down version of her. I like what she does. Stop trying to tone please, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> no. She's awesome. I mean, if every woman was like her, society couldn't thrive. But, you know. But she was really like, I just do whatever the fuck I want to do. And like, fuck you, because I'm going to live my fucking best life. That's the kind of role model I need as a woman. They're like, we're going to put you in this box. And she's like, fuck off. Nope. Nope. Yeah. I'm going to go put a bunch of other people in my box. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's going to happen right now. Male, female in between. Yeah. (laughs) Sick of the men. Going to the ladies. Sick of the ladies. Going to the men. Do not care. (laughs) Do not care. Oh, my God. I fucking love her. This is me now. (laughs) That's awesome. My Shakti Queen of Herstory. Yay! Is Audrey Lord. Okay. And she isn't like, I guess, like quite as wild as your person. She is, but she is a self described black lesbian mother, warrior, poet. Oh, I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, I think warrior goes through the thread of our entire fucking episode. Absolutely. It's like, the Shakti history of like warrior women. Oh yeah. Because like, yeah, this woman, she came up a lot in my, in my major in women's studies Mm -hmm. because she paved the way for, um, really discussing intersectionality of feminism. Oh, cool. Which I'll get into a definition of that too when we get there. Mm -hmm. But so she dedicated both her life and her creative talent to confronting and addressing injustices of racism, sexism, classism, and homophobia. Nice. Yeah. So she was born in New York City, and she was born in Harlem. Okay. And her parents were immigrants from the Caribbean. Her parents were pretty emotionally distant mm-hmm. and just kind of, like, I read a lot of, like, her mom was a little bit racist against black people with darker skin Oh, okay. and Audrey had darker skin than her and she had really mm. light skin, which was like a huge pride in her family. Yeah. That she, so she kind of always treated like Audrey is a little bit of an outcast. Oh, that's gotta be really hard. Yeah. So she attended Catholic school and published her first poem in 17 magazine while she was still in high school. Nice. And of her poetic beginnings, Lord commented in, Black Women Writers, which is capitalized, so I imagine that's a magazine or a literary element of some kind. Yeah. I used to speak in poetry. I would read poems and I would memorize them. People would say, well, what do you think, Audrey? What happened to you yesterday? Mm-hmm. And I would recite a poem and somewhere in that poem would be a, a line or a feeling I would be sharing. Yeah. 
In other words, I literally communicated through poetry. I love it. Yeah. That's how I do with like music and song lyrics. Yeah. And I mean, she was doing this when she was like 12 or 13. God. Yeah, that's beautiful. If you if you Google her, you'll see on the blog that how, how she spells her name mm-hmm. is A-U-D-R-E. Okay. And the reason why she spells her name like this is because she cho- she actually chose to drop the Y from her first name while she was still a child. Yeah. Explaining that she was more interested in the artistic symmetry of the E endings in the two side-by-side names, Audrey Lord. Oh, nice. <laughs> so she was more interested in that way of her spelling of spelling oh, cool. her name than her parents had intended. I like it. Yeah, I thought so. I thought that was really cool. And like, there's, I mean, there's several scholars out there that I'm that are just one in particular that comes to mind that I'm sure I'm going to cover in the future is mm-hmm. Bell Bell Hooks. Okay. And she actually like spells her name all lowercase. Yeah. So like in college, if you like capitalized her name when you were writing about her, mm-hmm. the teacher would actually be like, she, like you have to use lowercase with her name. Nice, like when, that's when how editing she a paper, yeah. it to be spelled. That's so, awesome. So it's just kind of interesting. It's like it's it really is that it's the same with you. It's like make your name. Yeah, like it's your name. Make it. Yeah, like it's just so it's fucking. What cool. do you want to call yourself? Yeah, claim yourself. Claim it. Claim your identity. And so that's what she did. She was like trying to figure out what what fit with her and she had um she had like I, I think I said she had a lot of criticisms about the feminist movement in the 60s because mm-hmm. it was very like um like Gloria like Gloria Steinem did some really incredible things but it was very much like this is like white feminism yeah and so to to explore all of the levels of um of struggle that women go through, you can't just be like this one particular woman. Yeah, this one particular group yeah. of women. So it's like yeah, and I'll so I'll talk about that. So she so she always felt like somewhat of an outcast mm-hmm. um from this specific Harlem Writers Guild that she worked with and um, she felt like she was not accepted because she was both crazy and queer in quotes. That's what she said. Oh yeah. Um, but they, but she, they thought that she would like grow out of it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, this is who I fucking am. Yeah. No, nope. <laughs> grew into it, not out of it. <laughs> and so she actually um, ended up marrying a um, white gay man. Oh. And like kind of briefly because mm-hmm. they they got married, they had two kids and then she actually like fell in love with a woman and they got divorced. Mm-hmm. But um I couldn't actually find a whole lot more about like I'm like why did they get married and I'm like maybe they just got married to have kids, like maybe they got married to It just been social conformity. It was like 1962 though, so to like be marrying like a mixed race a mixed couple. race couple would is like But they were in New York. Um, I think at this point they like she traveled around. She was okay. in like Mississippi and Tennessee and a couple okay. other places. So yeah, I think regardless, it's just kind of like uh, I don't know if I mean I just grown up like you know it's not one of those things that you can just be out yeah and stuff. So it's like well, and that's like when she was starting to try to figure out like her voice, like her poetic yeah. voice too. When here's this person that also understands kind of what you're going through, and right. You can still have sexual desire. You can still want to have kids. And if you both want those things. And they both, like, did stuff outside of the marriage, obviously, and stuff. And so as a poet, she is best known for her technical mastery and emotional expression, as well as her poems that express anger and outrage at civil and social injustices. Mm -hmm. 
she and those are just like just things that she observed in her life mm-hmm. and her poems and prose largely deal with issues related to civil rights feminism lesbianism yeah and the exploration of black female identity mm. and which is incredible yeah that's amazing. and needs to be talked about and this is another like another woman using her fucking platform that was like small at the time but like yeah she's going to be unapologetically herself yeah and use her voice and use her her art and her talent and um and talk about these things so I'm assuming she has books and books of poetry that have been published. So many. Okay, good. So, 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 so many. Like, I was looking at them and I'm like, oh my God, I need every single one of these. Mm-hmm. And just talking a little bit about intersectionality. So, she, so intersectionality is also referred to as intersectional feminism. Mm-hmm. And to get kind of like, I guess, like clinically, clinical definition, like this not sexy definition, but it's not really like a sexy thing it's It's still necessary it's just necessary and we need to know like we as women to have these conversations like need to know what words to use when having these conversations so it's it's looking at the overlapping of things such as class and race and sexual identity sexual orientation so like where those things intersect yeah okay it's looking at like how is this group of people affected by the situation that's happening right now okay poverty intersecting with race intersecting with sexual orientation and like how are those people impacted and affected because feminism to them doesn't look the same as it would to somebody who is in a different class or a different race or yeah okay yeah absolutely audrey lord specifically focuses her discussion of differences between Mm -hmm. groups of women so she would actually like she'd she spent a lot of time in berlin germany doing work with groups of women at a university and mm-hmm. she coined the term Afro-German okay. women. Oh. And she would actually say, I was watching this video about her earlier mm-hmm. in just a documentary. And she would actually say like, I don't want any white woman to leave the room without talking to a black woman in this room. I love that. I love that. We have to come together. Yeah. And like have to understand our privilege and where we come from as women. Yeah. And like, we have to know each other's experiences Mm -hmm. if we want to like get through through this like patriarchal shit absolutely and like like there has to be a humanization factor yeah because i think sometimes like when we're not having these conversations is because there's there's been a level of dehumanization for both races that is only going to be overcome when you're actually talking to the other person and realizing like you are human just as much as me yeah and that's an extremely important important thing to, like, overcome anything. Absolutely. Like, so in one of her works, Age, Race, Class, and Sex, Women Redefining Difference, mm-hmm. she emphasizes the importance of educating others. Mm-hmm. But in order to educate others, we must first be educated ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and... Oh, God, I hate it when people try to do that, like, try to talk to you from a place where I'm like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, and and she says empowering people who are doing the work does not mean using privilege to overstep and overpower such groups, mm-hmm. but rather privilege must be used to hold door open for hold to hold the door open for other allies. Yeah. Blah, so blah, did blah. she, like, coin intersectional feminism? Is she the one who 
coined that or does she is she just like a proponent of it and uses her so kimberly crenshaw is the one who coined it and and audrey lord is more of the proponent of it but then there's another another scholar alice walker who created this term called womanism okay that's like feminism but it's specifically about black female feminism okay and then, um, like, the criticism that I've heard about womanism specifically that I, I think that Audre Lorde actually had kind of, a, like, took an issue with. Oh, you didn't like that sip of it. Is that... <laughs> it's not good if it's warm. No, it needs to be chilled. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everybody make sure that your Shakti shake doesn't get warm. <laughs> yeah. Just have ice on hand. <laughs> so I think that that was, like, one of the criticisms that um audrey lord had of that that of that specific term wom- yeah. like womanism but mm-hmm. i love i love Wait, the what idea was her criticism it kind of got lost oh, in the whole thing so she so that was specifically about like the black female feminist experience womanism. okay but there was a little bit of like the homosexuality piece and sexuality piece was lost there oh okay so that's kind of okay we have so to talk like, about that too <laughs> gotcha know? so it was like womanism was only considered like cisgendered african-american women yeah okay that was my understanding of it anyway if that's wrong please like of course i want to know correct me shakti shakeup at gmail.com shakti shakeup at gmail.com and she had this really she was like really big on talking about her sexuality okay and which i love because women don't talk about it enough yeah and she had this like she had an essay called the erotic as power okay and it was written in 1978 as a collection of this this book called Sister Outsider, which mm-hmm. I'm going to order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she theorizes the erotic as a site of power for women, only when they learn to release it from its suppression and embrace it is when they find power within the erotic. So wait, so she defines how, how, wait, what? Okay, so the erotic is a profound resource of feminine power housed within the spiritual plane of women's existence. Whoa. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, is what she defines it as. So, And she's saying that you can release it when? Let me start with this because she kind of talks about, like, so it's talked about, like, we already know what that is, like, okay. what the erotic is. So, right. so in her essay, The Erotic is Power, written in 1978, mm-hmm. she defines the erotic as a profound resource of feminine power housed within the spiritual plane of women's existence, Mm. which is a fucking cool Mm -hmm. fucking lot. Awesome. Yeah. Fuck. And (laughs) this power, as she describes, is a sense of deep satisfaction. And this is beyond sexual, like beyond sexuality as is portrayed in kind of a pornographic way. Okay. So like, is she talking more about like, like our sensuality as a woman i think she can be and she's if she's talking about how it like how it communicates or how i mean how it translates to power okay so and, like yeah like into our your, internal power using your like sensuality or using your eroticness yeah to your own power oh yeah i'm for that i'm very much for that she right yeah and from all of this, she writes, women so empowered are dangerous. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. When you use your sex as power, and I'm not saying, like, as pornographic, but, like, yeah, like, you think of, like, the temptress, the seductress. But things that, like, satisfy you wholly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's powerful as fuck. 
And when you're in a place where you allow yourself to just feel that, to just allow yourself to be satisfied. Yeah. That's a, that's a really powerful thing. Yeah. And to refuse anything else, like mm-hmm. to find satisfaction in something. Yeah. That is an extremely powerful thing. So, yeah, there's a million notes about her and her works and what I have and everything. <laughs> but she – you can definitely – I mean, there could be – like I was saying before we were recording, like there could yeah. be an entire podcast like dedicated to her. There's so much fucking information about her. Yeah. Um, But so, unfortunately, she died of liver cancer mm. at age 58. Oh, that's young. Um, In 1992. Mm. And she actually moved – um back to i believe the caribbean it's in it says in saint croix okay unless yeah, i'm pronouncing no croix like la croix and if that's wrong it's probably croix but it in saint croix i don't I have no fucking clue so she had been living there with her life partner gloria joseph mm-hmm. and in an african naming ceremony before her death she took the name gamba adisa mm. which means Warrior, she who makes her meaning known. Oh, God, that is so powerful. I love it. Fuck yeah. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And I have a poem that she wrote, but I would, um, I'd rather just post it on our blog. Okay. And have people read it themselves because. What's the name of the poem in case they want to look it up? It's called A Woman Speaks. Mmm. I'm just going to fucking read it. I just feel like I have a hard time reading poems. I can read poems really well. Oh, okay. I'll have you read it. Okay. Okay. So Shane's going to read A Woman Speaks by Audre Lorde. A Woman Speaks by Audre Lorde. Moon marked and touched by sun, my magic is unwritten. But when the sea turns back, it will leave my shape behind. I seek no favor, untouched by blood, unrelenting as the curse of love permanent as my errors or my pride. I do not mix love with pity, nor hate with scorn. And if you would know me, look into the entrails of Uranus, where the restless oceans pound. I do not dwell within my birth nor my divinities, who am ageless and half-grown and still seeking my sisters, witches and Dahomey, Wear me inside their coiled cloths as our mother did, mourning. I have been woman for a long time. Beware my smile. I am treacherous with old magic and the noon's new fury with all your wide futures promised. I am woman and not white. I fucking love that one. beautiful just beautiful she's incredible yeah i like her a lot i'm really she seems to have led an amazing life and done a lot of really great things for her community and just i enjoyed how much we learned about women just living their authentic lives today i was just gonna say that like every single like every woman that we talked about was again that unapologetically themselves yeah no matter how crazy or mm-hmm. like or different or whatever that might be or what they were assigned at birth or not yeah. like they're just and it was as soon as as soon as they were like hey this is who i am yeah. 
and that clicked and they woke up, yeah. it was like they live their best fucking lives. Yeah. And it wasn't easy. I mean, you know, the obstacles and the adversity that these women faced. Yeah. It wasn't easy for them. Absolutely. But, and, like, in Audrey Lord, like, she got to be with somebody who she loved until yeah. she died. Like, yeah, she didn't stay married to, like, a white gay man. She's like, yeah. I'm lesbian. I'm going to be with women. Mm-hmm. Got to live mm-hmm. that life. Yeah. And it's and of course it was, I mean, probably hard as fuck. Like yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s, being like a gay black woman. Yeah. Like I can't fuck I can't fucking imagine. But it's like one of those things is it's probably in a lot of ways easier to live a life when you're being true to yourself. And even if that means people don't accept you, then it is you know, because some people will. There's going to be people in your life who love you no matter what and accept you for who you are. So it's easier to live a life where you're at least able to be yourself than to live one in hiding. Yeah. And you're just going to be miserable all the time. I have another fucking quote from her. Yeah. That goes right along with this. So one of her essays is called The Transformation of Silence into Language and Action. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. So... She emphasizes that the transformation of silence into language and action is a self-revelation and that that always seems fraught with danger. Yeah. So people are afraid of others' reactions for speaking, but mostly for demanding visibility, which is essential to live. Mm-hmm. Wait, people are afraid of others' actions for speaking, but what? People are afraid of others. Like, I'm afraid of others' reactions for speaking. Like, you speaking? Like, what? how people react to what you say? Yeah. Okay. But she says, but that always seems fraught with danger. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's like the fear of other people's judgments. Yeah. And we can sit in our corners, mute forever while our sisters and ourselves are wasted while our children are distorted and destroyed. While our earth is poisoned, we can sit in our safe corners, mute as bottles, and we can and we will still be no less afraid. Yeah. So it's like you're afraid if you speak up and you're afraid if you don't. Yeah. But which one is better? Which one will you feel better about yourself having done? She says, ultimately, the silence will choke us anyway, so we might as well speak the truth. Oh, God. So (laughs) many chills right now. Yeah. Speak up. It's so hard to do. Oh, my God. It's so hard. Well, and it's hard because it's terrifying. Because nobody wants to be in that out group. Nobody wants to be judged. Yeah. When you feel like your survival literally is at jeopardy because of what you're about to say. It's terrifying. I feel happiest when I give no fucks. Me too. (laughs) When I was coming back from India, I was very in touch with the person inside of me that gave no fucks. Yeah. And that was when I felt the most empowered and the best and the strongest. And I think every woman owes it to herself to get to a point, even just once in your life, if you can't get there every day, just try once to get to a point where you just don't give a fuck what other people have to say about you and or think the, about you. And that doesn't mean like turning into a huge asshole or something. Mm-hmm. That means like you've always wanted to try something like you've always wanted to learn how to knit and yeah. your husband thinks that's fucking insane or something. Yeah. Like, and you just do that anyway because mm-hmm. you're like, this is what I want to fucking do. Like, leave me alone. I'm going to spend yeah. $900 on yarn <laughs> that I'm never going to use again. 
Speaking from experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, it really is that just, it's, it's fulfilling something inside of you. It's that is even the erotic that Audre Lorde talks about. I feel like it's fulfilling something titillating that's Mm -hmm. like exciting to you. Like that's the not giving a fuck piece of it. Yeah. Well, and that's when the magic happens because the other thing that we saw with all these women is that when they decided to be themselves and when they unapologetically were themselves, that's when their life started. Yes, that. I mean, that's when their life started, when they were just like, this is me. Yeah. And the whole world opens up for you when you can do that. (laughs) I'm currently experiencing it right now. I can testify to this. Yeah, it's amazing. The whole world opens up for you because you – you were put on this planet to do something that only you can do. Yeah. There's a very special, unique talent gift in each and every single one of us that only we can do that on this earth. And if we spend our lives denying it, we're denying the world that gift. And so when you get to embrace it. We're denying ourselves that gift too. We're denying ourselves that gift. And yeah. ourselves, you know, the the possibility and the opportunity to be our authentic selves, but I very much believe that the universe wants you to embrace your gifts because there's a reason you have them. There's a reason you brought them here. And so when you get to the point where you're going to be like, all right, fuck it. This is me. I'm going to embrace this aspect of myself. I'm going to use it. I'm going to do it. That's when the universe is like, yes, finally. All right. How do we help? Yes. Let's do this. Let's make this happen. Fuck yes. It's beautiful. It really is. Thank you all so much for listening to Shakti Shakeup. If you enjoyed listening, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also catch us on SoundCloud, CastBox, Breaker, Spotify, and Anchor. And we will be uploading on more platforms very soon. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all by searching Shakti Shakeup. You can also send us an email at shaktishakeup at gmail.com. Or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Shakti Shakeup. Becoming a patron will give you access to special Patreon-only content. And please make sure to go visit our website, shaktishakeup.com, where you can find drink recipes, blog episodes, and bios about your lovely hosts, Olivia and Shane. And now remember, you are a goddess.